0: all right good morning everybody great to see you guys here today i want to welcome all of you whether you're here in person or you're watching online i really appreciate this chance to come together and worship you know i don't i don't have to tell you there is a lot of bad news in the world today but right now we're going to focus on some good news really the best news and if you happen to be new here you picked a great time to join us For the last couple months, we've been going through a series called God's Kingdom Story. And in this series, we're, we're on a journey through the big story of the Bible from creation to Christ. And I'm excited because we've covered 11 chapters of this story so far. But I want you to get ready because every one of those chapters has been leading up to this moment. Every one of those chapters has been leading up to the cross, and that's what we're going to focus on today, the sacrifice of Jesus. And the reality is, if we don't understand the cross, we don't understand Jesus. We don't understand God's kingdom story as a whole. So what about you? Do you feel like you really understand the cross of Jesus? Do you know why Jesus died? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't, but either way, I want to make sure all of us know what Jesus accomplished when he laid down his life. And for some of us, this may be just a really good reminder, and we'll walk out of here with a deep sense of gratitude. For others, though, this may be the day when you understand the cross of Jesus for the very first time. This may be the day that changes your life forever. I know that can happen because I've seen it happen many of us have experienced this many of us have a story to tell I want to share one of those stories with you right now Uh, two weeks ago I announced a challenge for everyone here at Plum Creek it's called the testimony challenge and the idea is simple if Jesus has changed your life just sit down and write out your story what he did and then be ready to share that story with others And i tell you what, people have submitted these stories on our website, and it's been so powerful to read them. These testimonies are proof that God is real, and He is working today. It's a beautiful thing. So like I said, I want to read one of these for you right now. Uh, This one is from Gail Toon. Uh, Gail has been a member of Plum Creek for years now. And her story lines up perfectly with what we're talking about today. So let's listen. Gail says, for the first 35 years of my life, I attended the same church with my family. I went to Sunday school and youth group and prayed before meals. But one night, I distinctly remember lying awake and I said to myself, I feel as if there's a hole in the middle of my heart. And at this point in my life, I was married with three sons. I was a stay-at-home mom, and I was taking night classes at UC. But one evening, I decided to take my husband's car to class. And he had the radio station on some music I didn't care for, so I started channel surfing. At one point, the dial landed on Christian radio. At the time, I didn't even know that existed. But the DJ was talking about The plan of salvation. He said, In order to go to heaven, we need to be born again. For some reason, this was something I had not heard before. That evening after class, I located my Bible that was given to me in ninth grade, and I read what he was talking about on the radio. I started feeling the nudge to look for a new church. I took one of my sons with me on my search because I didn't want to go alone, and we tried several different churches. And one particular place had a skit during service. On one side of the stage sat a young Mary holding baby Jesus. On the other side was an old Mary. A crucified Jesus was then carried on a cross down the aisle, and they laid his lifeless body on old Mary. And that skit really brought to life what Jesus had done for me. The following Sunday, I went forward at the end of the service and made my decision to surrender my life to Jesus. And I was then baptized by immersion, and I felt that I had received the most incredible gift I had ever gotten. After my baptism, I literally could feel that hole in my heart full of the love of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And I also felt the joy that's mentioned in 1 Peter 1.8, which says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. As I read that story, I noticed that God spoke to Gail in several different ways. He spoke through that longing she had to fill the hole in her heart. He also spoke through the DJ who shared the gospel And he spoke through his word directly, and then he spoke through a skit about the cross. And what did Gail say? She said, that skit really brought to life what Jesus had done for me. So what is it that Jesus has done for us? That's the question we want to answer this morning. So let's dive in. Over the past few weeks, we've talked about the identity of Jesus. We said that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He's the long-awaited King. He was anointed and chosen by God for a special purpose. And what was that purpose? Why did he come to this world in the first place? Well, Jesus answered that himself. Look at what he said in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 45. He said, for even the Son of Man, and that's a title that refers to Jesus, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, I'd love to talk about the first half of that verse, but I want to zero in on the last phrase there. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. That's kind of a strange thing to say, isn't it? Because when do we normally hear the word ransom? You normally hear that when somebody's been kidnapped, right? The, the kidnapper says, I'm not going to let this person go until you give me that ransom. And then they'll, they'll say something specific. In an old movie, it might be, uh, you need to give me a million dollars in unmarked bills and a helicopter full of fuel. And if you don't give me those things in two hours, this person's going to get it. We understand that scenario, right? We've we've seen that. We've heard about that. But what does Jesus mean here in Mark 10, 45? What is this ransom? Who's been kidnapped? And who's going to get paid? Well, as we start to answer those questions, I want to go ahead and give you the big takeaway for this sermon. Now, I'm going to tell you the reason why Jesus died right now. And you want to pay close attention here because this is super important. Are you ready? Here it is. The reason Jesus died is substitutionary atonement. It's amazing, isn't it? Wow. I know for some of us, these words might not seem amazing. Uh, this, this phrase might uh, be liable to uh, make you fall asleep, take a nap. If you think I'm starting to get into theological mumbo-jumbo, it might not feel, like, exciting. But I'm telling you, these words are exciting. It's the best news you could ever hear. So let's look at this. What, What do we mean when we say substitutionary atonement? What are these words about? Well, it's really not that complicated. We'll start with atonement. How do we define that word? Atonement is paying the price to cover a wrong that was done it's satisfying the demands of justice it's covering a debt that you owe and we get that right for example uh, let's say that i took your wallet stole your wallet which of course i would never do we're just using our imagination here but let's say i stole your wallet and i took your credit card and i went on a 500 hundred dollar spending spree that's a crime right That would be a wrong. And there needs to be some kind of payment to cover that wrong. So how could I atone for that crime? Well, at the very least, I would need to give you your wallet back, and I would also need to give you $500. So if I did those things, am I good? Have I atoned for that crime? According to the state of Kentucky, no, not yet. Because there are some other penalties associated here. Uh, the state law says if you steal something that's valued between 500 and thousand dollars that's a class a misdemeanor so in addition to restitution giving back what i stole there's also a penalty a fine up to 500 dollars, and also up to a year in jail atonement is a serious thing but that's what we're talking about here it's paying the price to cover a wrong that was done okay so what about that other word substitutionary what does that mean well this one's pretty easy substitution is just taking the place of another person that's it so here's another example remember when you were back in elementary school what happened when your teacher got sick and he or she had to take a day off what what happened you got a substitute right and that sub took the place of your regular teacher. And on that day, you got a little nervous because you didn't want to waste any opportunity to drink from the fountain of knowledge. So you made sure you treated that substitute as well as you possibly could. You made their job as easy as possible. Well, that might not have been how it went. How many of you feel like you need to atone for the way you treated your substitute teachers? We we should probably move on from there. Let's get back to what Jesus did. So in reference to Jesus, what does substitutionary atonement mean? Well, the basic idea is pretty straightforward. Jesus took our place to pay for the wrong that we've done. And that's what he did on the cross. And like I said, at first glance, that seems pretty straightforward. But I'm telling you, that little sentence can't really communicate how big this is. So here's the reality. The substitutionary atonement of Jesus was the greatest act of love that's ever been done. And that's not all. The substitutionary atonement of Jesus accomplished more good than anything else that's ever been done. I mean, seriously, if, if you take every human being who has ever lived... And you add up every good deed, every act of love, every act of compassion, every sacrifice that's ever been made for the benefit of others. If you add up all of those good deeds, they can't come close to accomplishing the good that Jesus accomplished when he laid down his life for us. Now, to get the real picture here, we need to zoom out and we need to see God's kingdom story as a whole. That's one of the things I love about this series. Uh, A lot of times when we read the Bible, we zoom in and we take a close look at an individual passage or an individual story or character or teaching. And that's a good thing. It's actually crucial to do that. But in this series, we're stepping back. And we're seeing what God has done throughout history. And we're seeing that the story, it's really about him. It's not about us, even though he does invite us to play a significant role in this story. But there's something else we're seeing here. I mentioned it earlier. As of today, we've covered 11 chapters of God's kingdom story, and every one of those chapters has been leading up to the cross. I'll give you just a few examples. Back in week three, uh, we talked about that terrible event known as the fall. And you remember that, right? Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. And they were pretty much living in paradise. They lived in the presence of God himself. There was no sin, no evil, no death. Until the devil showed up in the form of a serpent. Now, God had given Adam and Eve just one rule, just one law. He said, don't eat the fruit from this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, It's it's simple. If If you eat the fruit from that tree, you will die. Now, right about then, the devil slithered up to Eve and he said, don't pay attention to what God said. He's just holding out on you. He's just trying to deprive you of something really good. And Adam and Eve bought that lie, so they ate the fruit. And sure enough, that's exactly when death entered the world. That's when pain and suffering entered the world. It's a tragic thing. They sinned against God. And, And so God showed up and he announced a curse. He told Adam and Eve the curse that they brought on themselves. But then God also pronounced a curse on the devil. Check it out. Genesis three fifteen. God said, and I will put enmity or hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, do you know what that is? That's the very first prophecy about Jesus in the Bible do you see it Uh, this prophecy talks about a specific descendant of adam and eve this person will go to war with the devil it's going to be a great battle and in this war the devil will do some damage he will strike this man's heel that's a reference to the crucifixion jesus died and satan thought he had won but then what's that other part there This descendant of Adam and Eve would crush the head of the serpent. He would rise again, and Jesus would eventually destroy the devil once and for all. It's an amazing prophecy, and it leads straight to Jesus, straight to the cross. But that's not all. Fast forward to chapter 6 of God's kingdom story. That's where we focused on Abraham, the great patriarch, the father of Israel, In Genesis 12, three, God came to Abraham and he offered this amazing blessing. He said, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, this was a pivotal moment because right here, God was setting aside a special people, his chosen people, the nation of Israel. And God would bless this nation in a powerful way But the blessing wouldn't end with Israel. God said, Abraham, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, how would that happen? It would happen through one of Abraham's descendants, Jesus. It would happen through the substitutionary atonement. It's very cool. And then uh, what about that chapter on sacrifice? That's when we talked about the old covenant law system. God made a covenant with Moses and the people of Israel. It was a formal agreement. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And he said, guys, if you obey these commands, you will be my treasured possession. Of course, the Israelites did not obey those commands. They broke God's rules and laws left and right. They did all kinds of wrong. And when a wrong has been done, what needs to happen? There needs to be atonement somebody has to pay. So God set up this temporary system, and we read about this system in the book of Leviticus. In Leviticus chapter 4, God came to Moses and he said, if someone brings a lamb as their sin offering, they are to bring a female without defect. They are to lay their hand on its head and slaughter it for a sin offering. And what's the point of that why did this animal have to die well look at Leviticus 4 35 just a few verses down it says in this way the priest will make atonement for them for the sin they have committed and they will be forgiven there's that word again atonement so during this temporary period, God allowed an animal to be a substitute, literally dying in your place to cover the penalty for your sins. But there's a big problem here, isn't there? Here's the problem. You see it in, in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 10, verse four. It says, "It's impossible for the blood of animals to pay for your sins." It doesn't work. And why doesn't it work? Because they're animals. <laughs> it it doesn't make sense for that to work like if if somebody commits a murder they can't pay for that crime by killing their dog it's just not logical so what kind of sacrifice does work you guessed it the only effective sacrifice is the substitutionary atonement of jesus And this is what John the Baptist was talking about in the Gospel of John chapter 1. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus offered himself as the true sacrificial Lamb. And as we look across the Bible, we see that this was God's plan all along. In chapter 9 of this kingdom story, we talked about the prophet's And the prophets were these individuals who spoke for God. Uh, They said all kinds of things on God's behalf. And one of the things they talked about again and again was this coming Messiah. This Messiah, he would be a great king, the king of all kings. And he would bring down justice against evildoers. And he would establish a kingdom that would never end. But the prophets, they also described the Messiah in a way that was surprising, shocking. Even disturbing. Uh, The prophet Isaiah, he he described him not just as a great king, but also a suffering servant. Look at Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. Isaiah says, on God's behalf, he says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. In other words, Jesus the Messiah took our place to pay for the wrong that we've done. And again, this was God's plan all along. Isaiah wrote these words 700 years before Jesus was even born. But hold on, let's back up for a second. Why was this God's plan? Why did Jesus have to suffer and die? Why did anybody have to die? After all, we, we say that God is good. He's full of love, and, and when we do wrong, He wants to forgive us. And we didn't come up with that idea. That's in the word of God. Psalm 86 verse five. It says, "You, Lord, are forgiving and good." abounding in love to all who call to you. Now, if that's the case, if God is that loving and good and forgiving, then this is a very good question. Why does anyone have to die? Why why can't God say, hey guys, I understand. You, you, You just can't help it. You want to do good, you try to do good, but you're just not good at being good. So here's what we'll do we'll just pretend those sins never happened we'll we'll just brush them under the rug and I'll take you as you are and we'll call it good welcome to heaven why would God not say that well we need to go back to week one of this series and we need to remember who God is because sure it's absolutely true that God loves us despite the fact that we're sinners And it's absolutely true that God wants to forgive us. However, there's another side to God's character. You might remember this. We said that God's character is like two sides of the same coin. On one side, God is love. That's who he is. But there's another side to the coin. God is also holy. Now, what does it mean when we say that God is holy? It means that he is set apart. He stands alone. There is no one else like him. No one has his character, his characteristics. No one else is 100% good, 100% pure and justice. And just. And because of God's perfect justice, he hates sin. He hates Evil with a burning passion. It's a white hot rage. It's a wrath. And this wrath is actually a good thing, isn't it? We want a God who hates evil. I don't want to say much about the horrific tragedy that happened down in Nashville this week. But you and I both know that was pure evil. And if God saw that, and he just shrugged his shoulders and looked the other way he would not be good but that's not what god does when he sees that he hates evil and evil cannot go unpunished and listen not every sin is as devastating as that was but every sin is evil it's rebellion against god and he can't just let that go So we need to understand these two sides of God's nature. And wrath is an expression of God's holiness. And that's bad news because our sin puts us on the receiving end of God's wrath. But there's also good news. Grace is an expression of God's love. And what is grace? It's a gift that we don't deserve. That's that's what that word means. And we see examples of God's grace all over the Bible, especially in the New Testament. John 3.16 is probably the most famous example. God loved this world so much. He loved you and me so much that he gave this gift, this grace that we don't deserve. And the gift was his one and only son, the Lamb of God. 1 John 2 verse 2 says it this way, he, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. It goes back to that idea of a ransom. Remember, Jesus said he came to give his life as a ransom for many. And how does that make sense? How does that work out? Who, who has been kidnapped here? Well, in a way, it's us. We have all sinned, and we've been held captive By our sin. So then, who is it that's demanding a ransom? Might seem strange to say, but it's God. Because of his perfect justice, because of his holiness, somebody has to pay, right? Without Jesus, we would all bear the brunt of God's wrath. There would be no other option. Without Jesus we're headed for hell. But that's not what God wanted. Because of God's great love for us, he was willing to do whatever it took to bring us back to him. He was willing to give his son as the perfect sacrifice. In the end, Jesus paid the ransom. He's the one who paid the price, and he wasn't coerced. He did that willingly. He made it possible for us to live forever with God when he bought our freedom with his blood he made it possible for us to to be with God for all eternity living in his presence worshiping him that's what Jesus accomplished on the cross you know today is the beginning of what some people call holy week holy week starts with palm sunday and this is the day we remember Jesus entering the city of Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. And on that day, people lined the streets. They were praising Jesus. They were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. At that point, they really believed that Jesus was the one they were waiting for, the one who would save them. But then, in just a few days, the mood changed drastically. From Sunday to Friday, Jesus went from being celebrated to being crucified. On Thursday night, the night before he went to the cross, Jesus had one final meal with his disciples, the Last Supper, and he knew he was about to die. But he also knew what his death would accomplish. And so he told his disciples to remember his sacrifice with a special ceremony, he, he took a piece of bread, and he said, this is my body, broken for you. And then there was the cup. Luke twenty two twenty 20 says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Remember that, new covenant. Just a few hours later, Jesus was arrested, and he was put on trial. Actually, it was a whole series of trials. And when it was all said and done, the Jewish religious leaders and the Roman authorities, they sent Jesus out to be crucified. He was mocked. He was beaten beyond recognition. People spit on him. They laughed at him. And finally, they nailed him to a cross. Nails pierced his hands and his feet. And he hung there on that cross for hours, just in excruciating pain, gasping for breath. His suffering was beyond anything we could imagine. And the Apostle John was right there, and he heard the final words that Jesus spoke. John 19, verse 30, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit what did he mean it is finished he meant that he accomplished his mission justice had been served the ransom had been paid and as soon as that happened the old covenant was instantly obsolete and that's a very good thing because the old covenant didn't work all those animal sacrifices that had to be offered again and again and again it didn't work because with the old covenant Here's the deal, you, you struggle and strive and work as hard as you can to obey all of God's rules, all of his commands, but we don't have it in us, do we? We're not perfect. We can try as hard as we can to reach God's standard, but we will never get there on our own. That's why we needed a new covenant. We needed Jesus. He became our perfect sacrifice, and he's the only person in history who could have ever done that. Because he was the only one who never sinned. If he had sinned, he'd have his own sins to pay for. But he never sinned. And he chose to be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. And by his wounds, we are healed. We don't earn it. We can't earn it. It's a gift. And the question is, have you received that gift? It's it's not yours until you receive it. And the Bible explains how we receive this gift. We're saved by grace through faith. By grace through faith. Grace is that gift that we don't deserve. And faith is both believing and trusting in Jesus. It's putting your life in his hands. And when you have that genuine faith, you will respond to Jesus in several different ways. One thing you will do is you will repent, turn away from your old life, turn away from everything that is not pleasing or honoring to God. Then you also confess or declare that Jesus is your Lord and your master. And then you're also baptized into Christ, immersed in water. And this marks the end of your old life and the beginning of your new life in Christ, We're going to see someone take that step here in just a few minutes, and if you've never taken that step, you can do that today. But what about those of us who have already received this gift? Well, if that's you, I've got to ask, are you full of gratitude for what Jesus has done? And are you expressing that gratitude to him on a daily basis? One of the things we do when we come together and worship here on Sunday mornings. But we also have a special opportunity to do that this coming Friday night. Jared mentioned this. We're having this prayer and worship night right here in this room. And man, I'm so looking forward to this. It's going to be a time where you can just make your way around the room to different stations. And one of those stations will be a place where we thank Jesus for what he's done. And we're going to pray in several different ways we're we're going to go to the prayer wall and pray for people who need jesus we're uh, we're we're going to ask god to do what only he can do in our church through our church i'm really looking forward to that and i hope you make it a priority to be here sometime between six and ten just come and go as you please but i've got another another thing for all of us who have received this gift um if you have been blessed by jesus are you letting him use you to be a blessing to others are are you actively involved in leading people to a life-changing relationship with jesus you know there are so many ways to do that but right now we have a couple special opportunities i mentioned this testimony challenge i i can't even tell you what it's like to read these stories and God has already been doing amazing things through this. You'll hear more as time goes by. But if, if you haven't yet written your testimony and turned that in, I, I encourage you to do that today. Today is the deadline, the end of our two-week challenge. So take some time this afternoon or this evening, write out your story and submit it at plumcreek.org testimony. And then Another special opportunity we have this week is to bless others by inviting them to be a part of what we're doing here. Invite them to that uh, Easter jam on Saturday. Invite them to join us next Sunday for Easter. And I'm so excited about what our worship team has planned for next week. I mean, it's gonna be an amazing day. We're, We're gonna celebrate Jesus in a big way. So grab a couple of those invitations on your way out and pray about, think about who you can invite. As we leave here today, man, I hope we walk away with this deep sense of gratitude, with this deep love for what Jesus has done. It really was the greatest act of love in all of human history. Jesus was our substitutionary atonement. He's the only one who could have done that. Only Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, can offer us a substitutionary atonement for our sins. So let's pray and let's thank Him for what He's done. Father, uh, as we've taken a few minutes here to to look at one of the most important things that's that's ever happened, I pray that uh, it will just sink in how good this is. How, how much love that sacrifice required what Jesus accomplished Lord I pray that we will be full of gratitude for those who haven't yet received the gift of grace that you offer I pray that they will take that step for those of us who have already received that gift I, I pray that we will be thankful every day of our lives and will also look for ways to bless others and point others to Jesus I pray for all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.